Well, good morning. My name's Doug. I'm one of the pastors here. Um, if you're new to Verde Valley Christian Church, uh, you don't normally see me up here. And after Diddy, you might be glad you don't normally see me up here. But <laughs> nonetheless, it's a great privilege that I get to share with you this morning. Um, the second in our Be Thankful series. And we're going to talk about today, the title of today's sermon is To Be Grateful. To Be Grateful. With the focus of this. Choosing to be grateful brings peace, joy, and satisfaction in our created purpose. Uh, I've heard it said by some that uh, ingratitude is the most common of all sins. In fact, we see the first case of, of ingratitude in Genesis with the first people that were created. Adam and Eve started this ingratitude thing happening. We see Eve, for instance, being told, Adam and Eve both being told, that they could eat of every tree in the garden except the one. And then we see Satan come on the scene and sow seeds of dissatisfaction to them, particularly to Eve. Did God really say you couldn't eat of that tree? Doesn't it look really good? All these other trees, you've got all these other trees, but... Why don't you eat of this tree? It's not the one you're supposed to, but why don't you eat of this tree? So he sowed seeds of dissatisfaction, and Eve expressed her ingratitude for what God had given her with her disobedience and took of the forbidden fruit. Then we see her husband, who throws Eve under the bus and says, God, it's the woman you gave me. That's why I ate the apple. I mean, come on, it's her fault, not mine. And so Adam expresses ingratitude for the gift of his wife that God had given him, blames her for what he did and expresses ingratitude in that. Ingratitude is the fruit of dissatisfaction and a refusal to acknowledge God's plan and provision for our lives. I believe that illustrates well what ingratitude is. So I want to start, as, as many of you know, if you've ever heard me talk before, I like to tell a story or, or a little joke, and you can decide at the end if it's a joke or a story uh, after I'm done. But um, I think this talks a little bit about relational ingratitude, especially for you guys, okay? Especially for you guys. So here's an excerpt from his and her diaries for the same day, okay? Here we go. This is her diary. Tonight I thought my husband was acting weird. We had made plans to meet at a nice restaurant for dinner. I was shopping with my friends all day long, so I thought he was upset at the fact that I was a bit late, but he made no comment on it. Conversation wasn't flowing, so I suggested that we go somewhere quiet so we could talk. He agreed, but he didn't say much. I asked him what was wrong, and he said, nothing. I asked him if it was my fault that he was upset, and he said he wasn't upset, that it had nothing to do with me and not to worry about it. On the way home, I told him that I loved him. He smiled slightly and kept driving. I can't explain his behavior. I don't know why he didn't say, I love you too. When we got home, I felt as if I'd lost him completely, as if he wanted nothing to do with me anymore. He just sat there quietly and watched TV. He continued to seem distant and absent. Finally, with silence all around us, I decided to go to bed. About 15 minutes later, he came to bed, but I still felt that he was distracted and his thoughts were somewhere else. He fell asleep. I cried. I don't know what to do. I'm almost sure that his thoughts are with someone else. My life is a disaster. His diary. Boat wouldn't start. Can't figure out why. (laughs) 
I'm really not picking on you guys. I'm, I'm there too, so I so can relate to that. So, uh, a, a silly story, but nonetheless, I, I, I can't, I can't uh, stand or sit in my case here before you today and claim to have this uh, gratitude thing down. Um, I can remember conversation after conversation with my wife years ago when my kids were younger, and, and, and I would tell her, our kids are a bunch of ingrates. They don't appreciate... <laughs> They don't appreciate all the things that you do for them. They don't appreciate the things they have. And at the same time I was doing that, I was a hypocrite. I was a hypocrite. Because many times I, on the same hand, was complaining and dissatisfied where I was at in life. The job was tough. I wasn't driving the truck that I really thought I should be driving. Uh, the house was a little bit too small. I was on that negativity train that Jim talked about last week. I was dissatisfied with God's plan and provision for my life. And it was being expressed in ingratitude in my own life. So by nature, none of us, none of us are grateful. But what my desire is, and what I hope your desire is, is to move forward and grow in having a heart of gratitude. And I will tell you this, my recent past two weeks has, I believe, been God-ordained of, of the things that I've gone through in the last couple of weeks. This sermon was scheduled six months ago, so it's not like I planned it. But a week and a half ago, I returned from eight days in Haiti with my wife, Karen. Two days after the Haiti trip, I was driving down to Phoenix to, to play golf in the 10th annual Chris Freeman Memorial NAU Foundation Scholarship Golf Tournament. My son passed away 15 years ago, and this was the 10th annual golf tournament that has raised like 120 grand for scholarships at NAU for kids whose lives have been touched by cancer. And so as I'm driving down there, I'm thinking through things in my head about I'm on the way to the, the tournament. I just come from Haiti and experienced all the things that a third world country will show you. I'm driving down there. I started for a minute to slip into the thinking about, about that I'd lost my son. And also that my father, who'd played in the tournament the prior two years, passed away, so he wouldn't be with me that year. And I just for a second started to feel sorry for myself. But very quickly, I flipped that switch to just overwhelming praise and gratitude for the blessings that God had placed in my life and for the things that he'd done for me and his faithfulness. And it changed very quickly for me. I wish I could do that every time. I can't. But that time it worked and there was an overwhelming sense of gratitude for it wasn't that I lost my son at 26. It was I've had, I had 26 years of a great life and a relationship with my son. And I had the last three or four years of my father's life, a, a great, three weeks before he died, we went elk hunting together. We had a great relationship. We had a great time. The Lord took him quick. So I rejoiced in all those things, even though they were tra tragedies on the outset or that you would consider it. I changed that to gratitude. And it really, it really made a big difference in, in the way I looked at stuff. So, so today we're going to look at choosing gratitude. We're going to look at being the one. And in the story in Luke 17 that we're going to look at this morning, there was one out of ten that chose gratitude. So if you're a note taker, you can pull out your outline or you can go to the YouVersion app on your phone. The outline's on the phone and you can make your notes there. So we're going to look at that. We'll start by reading this scripture. Luke 17, 11 through 18 says, On the way to Jerusalem, he, Jesus, was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. 
As he entered a village, he was met by 10 lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voice saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Leprosy um, was the worst diseases at, at that time. It was the worst thing that you can have. And it was thought, the thinking was at that time, it was only the worst kind of sinners that ended up with leprosy. And a leper was a, an outcast from society. If they were in the Jewish faith, they could not participate in the temple worship service. They could not participate in any of the feasts or the celebrations that the Jewish people uh, surrounded the Jewish people's religious practice. They were outcasts. Some Bible scholars believe that, that they had to remain 50 yards, 150 foot from anybody that, that was not infected and not just remain at that distance, but had to cry out, unclean, unclean, when they saw anyone encroaching on that 150 foot space. So they were outcasts from society. Uh, a very bad situation. And this guy that, they talk, that Jesus is dealing with in this story, he not only had leprosy, but he was a Samaritan. So that was kind of a, a double whammy. The Samaritans were, were hated people by the Jews. They did not like the Samaritans. Jesus was one of the few and was condemned many times for even passing through the area. The Jews would actually take uh, a, a lot longer route to go around Samaria because of their disdain for the Samaritan people. So this guy had a double whammy. And yet we see in this story that he was the one of the ten that remained to offer gratitude to Jesus for what he did. So in this, Jesus asks the rhetorical question, were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? And I believe he does this um, to bring attention to all those around him. His disciples, no, no doubt, were with him, and many others would probably follow him along the road. And he, he, he brought that question, he asked that question, not because he didn't know the answer, but because he wanted to point out the ingratitude of the nine. Certainly the, the gratitude of the one, but the ingratitude of the nine. Ten were healed physically, but only one, it tells us, going on in the story, was made whole. It was only the Samaritan who chose to express gratitude, it tells us, that he, he was giving thanksgiving and praise. And because he did that, he received not only spiritual healing, I'm, I'm sorry, not only physical healing, but also spiritual healing because Jesus goes on to say, go your way, your faith has made you whole. Nine were not made whole. Nine were physically healed. One was spiritually and physically healed. There's a quote from Desmond Tutu I think we have here. He says, speaking of this same section of Scripture, perhaps this gospel story points to a deeper leprosy in the spirit, the leprosy of ingratitude. To be unthankful, to be unappreciative, is in fact to be diseased. To cleanse our spirits of depression, of self-pity, and other forms of spiritual leprosy, we have to be thankful, appreciative persons. The Samaritan's expression of gratitude and praise to God was really an affirmation of his understanding that all he was, all that he ever would be, was entirely due to Jesus and what Jesus did for him. 
He owed everything to Jesus, and he expressed it in his gratitude. And because of that expression of faith, expression of gratitude, this man was made whole physically and spiritually. So I want to look this morning at three statements that I believe will help us to choose gratitude. So if you want to pull, pull your outline out again and fill in the first blank, number one, knowing every good thing I have comes from God. Knowing that every good thing I have comes from God. It tells us in James 1.17 that every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. So gratitude versus ingratitude, I believe, it's not a simple thing to do, but I believe what it, what it is requiring of us is that we need to change our filter we need to change how we see things. We need to take off the filter that says, uh, everything I have, I've worked for. Everything I have, I deserve. Everything I have is only because of my skill set and my ability to make a living and produce the good things that I have. We need to take that filter off and instead put on the filter that says, every good and perfect gift is from God. He gives me the ability that I have. It's because of His grace and His mercy that I have anything in life. And it's because he's a good and a loving God, he desires to bless me. God desires to bless his children. That's a straight-up fact. And it's a fact that we can even pray and depend on. We can ask. I had a man years ago, and I was shocked at the first when he said this. He says, I expect God to bless me because that's God's nature. And God does want to bless us. And God is good. It tells us also in this scripture, there is no variation. God is always good. God always acts in accordance to what is right, true, and good. Goodness is part of his nature, and he cannot deny his own nature. He can't contradict his own nature. So when we choose um, to see everything in our life through that filter, um, it results in a life filled with expressions of gratitude. Whether it's in blessings God is good. Whether it's in difficulties, God is good. Every good thing I have comes from God, and he can and does cause all things to work together for good to those who love him, to those who are called according to his purpose. Certain. So number two on your outline, not letting what I want rob me of what I have. Not letting what I want rob me of what I have. Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 6 says this, and this is Solomon, supposed to be the wisest guy ever, and a guy that experienced everything that life had to offer, bar none. Enjoy what you have rather than desiring what you don't have. Just dreaming about nice things is meaningless, like chasing the wind. So enjoy what you have rather than desiring what you don't have. Gratitude turns what we have into enough. Gratitude, gratitude turns what we have into enough. It's not happy people who are grateful, but instead it's grateful people who are happy. Okay? The world system, if we think about the world system, if we think about the, the, the plot and the schemes of the enemy of our soul, um, uh, I, I think the best illustration is, is just watch some TV ads or just pick up a magazine and look at the ads. Um, and you'll quickly realize if you fall for it that what you have is not good enough. It's not flashy enough. It's not pretty enough. It's not young enough. It's not fast enough. And that's just talking about your cell phone, okay? <laughs> Nothing that you have is good enough. That's what the ads try to tell you. 
ads and the world system and the enemy tries to sow seeds of dissatisfaction that convince you that what you have is not good enough. I mean, if you think about, and I'm guilty in this too, if you think about how often, what a miracle a cell phone is, and, and yet, boy, we got to upgrade them. we got to get the newest one on the market because it does a few more things better than the last one did. And so that, that's, a, that's a scheme of, of, I'm not saying that if you bought a new cell phone, you fell for the enemy's ploy, but, but if you paid a thousand bucks for an iPhone 10, maybe you did. I don't know, but... But uh, it's a ploy of the enemy to cause dissatisfaction. And, and as I previously stated, uh, ingratitude is the fruit of dissatisfaction. Ingratitude is the fruit of dissatisfaction. We see Paul talking about his learned satisfaction out of uh, Philippians 4, 11 through 13. He says, not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. You see the word learned two places in there, and, and Paul had learned this, and he learned that God was good and that God was faithful to, to, to provide him everything he needed to accomplish the call that God had put upon his life. And Paul chose gratitude for everything. And when he did that, it resulted in peace, joy, and the satisfaction that he was created for. So this is a statement of affirmation. This is Paul standing up on the bathroom sink and looking in the mirror and confessing that he believed that God was good and the things God was bringing into his life was good. And, and he was satisfied and content with God's plan and provision in his life. Okay, And so uh, his gratitude turned what he had into enough. He learned this, and he was intentional about being grateful. I want to tell a quick story about Marwi. And Marwi was a lady that uh, I met in Haiti. This was my first trip to Haiti. Karen's been there several times. But we visited a lady called Marie. You can bring her picture up in Haiti. And we were in the town of Jubilee. Jubilee's a very poor town that's right next to the city dump in the, by the city of Gonaives, uh, and it's a very, very, very impoverished town. The, the garbage in the streets is almost up to your knee that you wade through to get around the streets of the town. And Marwi was about a, Emery guessed uh, that she was probably in her mid to late 80s. He knew her. Karen had met her before. And we went to pray for her. And I don't speak Creole, but she she was talking back and forth with Emery, and when we told her that we wanted to pray for her, her response was, no, I want to pray for you. And through the conversation, Marie related to Emery that, that, that everything that she had, God had been so good to her through her life. She'd lost her husband. She'd lost her children. She lived in that six-by-six house that was sticks and mud with a little bit of tin on the roof with a single mat on the floor and a few cooking pots. And uh, uh, what a privilege to be in the presence of someone who really understood gratitude. And it really came home to me as I have a bad habit of looking at my watch, even as we were having this conversation, I looked at my watch and God put in my head, Doug, your watch probably cost more than this lady has ever seen in her entire life. I mean, and that's, I, I believe, a true story. And this isn't a Rolex. So, I mean, 
these people are impoverished, and yet she had a, a spirit of, of being grateful. She had nothing but a couple cookpots, and yet she was grateful for how God had blessed her. And she, could, she, she shared that in her conversation and in her prayer. So, boy, what a perspective change. What a perspective change that is. Point three on your outline, turning every blessing I have into praise. Psalm 63, 4 and 5 says, I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. Every blessing that I don't turn back into praise turns to pride. Every blessing I don't turn back into praise turns to pride. Pride is the root of ingratitude. Pride and dissatisfaction in the life of a believer allows us not to be grateful. We cannot take credit for the things that we have in our life, for the blessings. Gratitude and praise is the antithesis of pride. Okay? Pride destroys those things. So pride is the root of ingratitude. In 1 Thessalonians, out of the the Message uh, Bible, it says this, Thank God no matter what happens. Thank God no matter what happens. This is the way God wants you who belong to Christ Jesus to live. That's what God's desire is for us, that we live giving Him thanks for everything, no matter what it is. Satisfaction with God's plan and provision produces in us an attitude of gratitude. Being satisfied. That last scripture we looked at said, I will be fully satisfied. Being fully satisfied in the things God has brought into our life brings a spirit of gratitude. Here's, a, here's a, a, maybe a, um, a little exercise that you can do. Um, think about something that you lost and then for some reason got it back and the way that you felt when you got it back. Something that you thought you had lost and then it came back to you. Remember, the, remember that, that, that feeling of gratitude you had? When that came back, we see the Bible have three stories in a row in Luke 15, three parables about the lost coin, the lost sheep, and the prodigal son. God wants us to have a spirit of gratitude just like that father of the prodigal son who had lost his son and his son returns. And he's celebrated with a great feast, welcoming his son back with, a, with, a, with great gratitude for what God had done in his life. It's helpful to do that, to think about that and entertain that kind of thing, that kind of thought. I have another story uh, to share with you, and this is the way God doesn't want you to be, okay? Did you ever hear about the ungrateful lady at the beach who had a little child with her? She was too close to the water, and a big wave came in. By the time the water went back into the sea, she realized her son was missing. She looked all around for her little boy and cried out, Melvin, Melvin, where are you, Melvin? I used Melvin because I don't think, I've never met anybody named Melvin, so that's her name. She realized he'd been swept out to sea, so she prayed, Oh, dear, merciful Father, please, please take pity on me and return my beautiful child. I will promise eternal gratitude to you. I'll never cheat on my income tax again. I'll be kind to my mother-in-law. I'll give up smoking anything, anything. Only please grant me this, one favor, and return my son. Just then the next wave washed in, and there he was, safe and sound. Then she looks up to God and says, But he had a hat. I mean, that's the filter switch. That's a filter switch if you think about it. That's a perspective switch. She chose the perspective of ingratitude. 
I mean, God had done a great thing and she chose, I know this is just a made up story, but she chose instead of being grateful, she chose ingratitude at that moment. And it's just a perspective change. It's just taking off that filter and putting on the correct filter that God is good and his desires for us are good. When we reach a place, let me look at, let me look at one more scripture first. Psalm 103. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. He forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. He redeems me from death and crowns me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed like the eagles. When we reach a place in our life that we can begin to understand the amazing, unconditional love that God has extended through, to us through Christ and how ill-deserving we are of his love and grace. It's then and only then that we can begin to express gratitude in all things. It's only when we can find satisfaction and contentment in his plan and his provision for us that we can know and believe that he is good. When we choose to surrender our will to his will, trusting him to be our all in all, trusting him that he is good, that's when we can turn every blessing into praise. We need to be the one that chooses gratitude. I've got a prayer that I want you guys to read through, and then after you've had a minute to read through it, we'll stand up and we'll speak that prayer out loud. Would you stand with me? Heavenly Father, I confess that many times I am ungrateful for the blessings you have filled my life with. I know that every good thing I have comes from you, and I need your help to not let what I want rob me of what I already have. Forgive me for not or taking you for granted, and help me to choose to be grateful in all things that I might have the joy, peace, and satisfaction in you that you created me for. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're here this morning and you've never made a decision to step into a relationship with Christ, I would encourage you to, to find someone that you came with or find some on staff here or the prayer team and talk to them about what it means because I don't believe that you can really know what being grateful is until you've experienced Christ's love in your life. So we have a prayer team over to this side of the stage. If you need some prayer, we would encourage you to, to step over there and let those guys pray for you. And please come back next week to hear part three of the Be Thankful series. Thank you.